Hello, y'all. How you doing? We are so glad you're here, and I want to welcome all of you from wherever you're watching or wherever you're viewing this on this Mother's Day weekend. What a great weekend to be gathered in church or to be watching online and doing church wherever it is you're watching from. We are having a great time in this series that we've called OMG, and if you if you've missed any of the last few weeks, uh, our series kind of build on each other week after week after week. And so you may feel like, eh, I wish I'd have known what you talked about ahead of time or, you know, in the previous weeks because I missed that. Well, then go to our app, go to our website and get caught up so that you're fully up to speed on all the awesome things that we've been learning together and experiencing. This OMG series is a series about our views and assumptions about God, really. Many of us, I would say most of us, believe that God exists. But even though you believe God exists, you may hold some views and assumptions about this God that you believe exists that are incomplete or maybe it be just inaccurate, just wrong. And how we view God affects everything we do in life, everything we think, everything we do, everything we become. And so it's extremely important for us to get this clear. And this series has been a heavy series. It has been one of those mind-boggling, gut-punching kind of series. And from time to time, we need something like that. And I think today will be no different. So we're glad you're here. Um, here's something that you know, and uh, when I say this, you're going to immediately uh, identify with it. We live in a world that is driven by this phrase right here, on demand. We live in an on-demand world. Don't we? We want what we want. We want we, we want it when we want it. I, I want to take just a second and, and get nostalgic with you just a moment. And I want you to think way, 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 way back. Everybody in this room should be able to think way, way, way back with me when there used to be stores in your neighborhood, places of business where you go in and rent movies. <laughs> Remember that? And I know there's still a few of them still hanging on, but they're dropping like flies. Why? Because who in their right mind wants to get in the car and drive down the street to go to some store and stand and look at these rows of, yeah, I've seen that, yeah, I've seen that, yeah, that was no good, yeah, I want to see this, I want to see this. Oh, they're out of this one. This is the one I wanted. What am I going to do? Because now it's what? On demand. Anytime you want to see it, as many times as you want to see it, on your phone, on your tablet, on your TV, on your computer, it is on demand. And that's the way we like it. Nothing wrong with it. It's kind of cool, really, I think, to be able to not have to do all of the renting the videos and the DVDs and all that kind of stuff. It's just, just man, technology is changing so much. We live in an on-demand world. We have so much information at our fingertips and we can call it up immediately on our phones, tablets, whatever. And we get frustrated when it's not fast, right? I heard a comedian one time talking about, hey, give it a second. It's got to go to space to a satellite and get back. It takes a little time to get to space and back. So give it, you know, and we're just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why, 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 why? We want things on demand. Now, we evaluate things and expect them to be just that, on demand. 
Now, enter the topic of God. And we approach God in the very same way. And many of us assume that God is or should be an on-demand kind of God. That we want what we want when we want it, and we expect God to treat us the same. There's many people that believe this, even many Christians. Even though you believe God exists, your view of God is one in that he is an on-demand God. And you may not come right out and say it. You may not even want to admit it, but you can tell by the way people talk about God, if you'll listen, you can tell by the way people interact with the subject of God when the subject of God comes up. And if you'll listen to them pray, if you'll listen to yourself pray and notice how you're praying, what you're praying for, what you're praying about, it will let you know whether or not you have adopted this on-demand understanding of God. It's why many people get frustrated and discouraged when they don't get what they want, when their life doesn't go as expected, and especially when life does not go and things don't work out like they've prayed for. You get discouraged, you get frustrated, and you even begin to question God's goodness. You begin to question maybe even God's love. I know some of you are thinking, you're like, man, I know there are some people like that, but that's not me. I would never think of God like that. I would never do that. I'm glad you're talking about it, though, but I'm glad that's not me. No, wait a second. Wait a second. Because I bet it's more common than you might want to admit, even in your own life, even in my life. So here's what I've done. I've kind of written some descriptors of what we think and what we say when we have an on-demand view of God. So I just want you to listen. I'm going to cover a lot of stuff real fast up front here. And I want you to just listen and think, is that me? Is that me? Is that me? Oh my, that's me. I have an on-demand view of God. When you have an on-demand view of God, you see God pretty much as your BFF. Well, isn't God supposed to be seen as our friend? Yes, absolutely. But I'm not talking about just, you know, like God is my friend. I'm talking about, you know, God will do whatever I want him to do for me. He's my BFF. We're tight. And whatever I need, he'll do. And whatever I want, he's down with that because God is my BFF. Someone who sees God like an on-demand kind of God basically sees God and treats him like a vending machine. You may not realize you're doing that, but there's something I want. There's something I need. So here you go. Put in the right code, say the right prayer, say the right words, go to church, read my Bible, do this, and then boom, you expect down at the bottom exactly what it is you ordered. And when you don't get it, shaking and kicking it, and I'm like, what's the deal? An on-demand kind of God. sees God as a vending machine. You get what you want. And if you don't want anything and you don't need anything, you can just walk right past it, and it's no big deal. But it's there if you need it. It's there if you want it. On-demand view of God sees God as your personal assistant. So you've got God in your back pocket. He's right there. He's within arm's reach. And when you're in trouble, when you go through a crisis, experience a tragedy, or have a question, you can whip it out. There's God. Everything I want, everything I need. And then as soon as the crisis is passed, as soon as the tragedy is over, as soon as you get your questions asked or you start feeling better, put him right back there where he belongs and know that he's there if I need him. And he's content to wait 
until I ask him to come back out. See, that's America's view of God, by the way. That's the American view of God, pretty much. Is that as soon as we go into war or there's a national disaster or some type of crisis, whether it's a money thing or a weather thing or a people thing, as soon as there's some big tragedy, America, oh, we got to call on God and there's prayer vigils and we're burning candles and we're doing all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we're in our prayers and our prayers. And, and I'm so glad America decides to pray then. But as soon as the tragedy is over, the crisis has passed, everybody's been, you know, taken care of, we kind of go on with our merry way and we forget about God until the next bad thing that happens happens because he's an on-demand kind of God to us the on-demand view of God sees God as kind of like the championship game God you with me oh God help me win this game oh God help me win this game God's gonna help me win this game then you win the game hey tell us about this you won the game yeah I want to give all glory to God he made it happen now I'm not saying that's a bad thing to say I think it's great to give honor and glory to God you know but if I was a reporter, and I think I would just kind of, you know, I'd lose my job, that's what I'd do. Because I want to say, well, what about the guys on the losing team that were praying to the same God for the same win that you just got? What about that? Or could it be maybe that God's just not all that involved in championship games, but that's, don't want to. On-demand view of God operates with the thinking, well, God wants me to be happy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? I hear it all the time. Pastor, God wants me to be happy, right? God does good, and, and I'm not happy, so I need to do this because it makes me happy. I need to do that because it makes me happy. I need to leave them because it'll make me happy. I need to go be with them because it'll make me happy. I need to forget that because it'll make me happy. And I need to do this in my life because I want to be happy. And doesn't God want me to be happy? Come on, preacher, doesn't God want me to be happy? You know what God wants for you? He wants something far more enduring and lasting and important for you than temporary happiness that depends upon circumstances and feelings. It's not that God doesn't want you to experience happiness. The question really comes back to, what are you doing to get happy? What are you ignoring to stay happy? And what are you gonna do when you don't feel happy anymore? See, it's a bigger deal than God wants me to be happy. See, you know, I hear people, God wants to fulfill my dreams. I believe God wants to fulfill my dreams. That's the American dream kind of God, right? To make me healthy, wealthy, and successful. Healthy, wealthy, successful. And if I'm not healthy, wealthy, and successful, what's wrong? What's wrong? I thought God wanted me to be. Yeah, if you have an on-demand view of God, that's what you think. See, by the way, God wants something far better than happiness for you, because that changes. He wants you to experience deep soul, gut level joy. We'll talk about that one day. But if you have an on-demand view of God, that's your thinking. If you have an on-demand view of God, you say things like, God, God wants me to follow my heart. I'm just trying to follow my heart here, and I know God wants me to follow my heart. Doesn't God, Pastor, doesn't God want me to follow my heart? You ready for this one? No. If you follow your heart, it's going to lead you in the wrong direction. Do you know what God tells us about my heart and tells you about your heart? That our heart is deceitful. Not mine. Yep, you're deceived. You see? See what I mean? Our heart's deceitful. And it's hard for you and I to even realize what's lurking around in the dark corners and crevices of our own heart. 
God doesn't want me to follow my heart. No, you know what he wants you to do? Follow his heart for you. How do I know what God's heart is for me? He tells us in his word. That's why we come to his word. Follow God's heart for you. If you're in an on-demand view of God, you're all concerned about your heart. People with an on-demand view of God say crazy things like, well, God cares what I care about. If it's big to me, it's big to my God. Well, to a degree. Let me tell you what God really cares about. You want to know what God cares about? God cares about you. And you're a big deal to God. But let's be honest. There's sometimes we tend to care about things that don't really matter. We get all upset about things that don't really matter. And we choose to care about things that in the big scheme of things are not really that big of a deal. Who's following who here? Does God follow us? Or do we follow him? And so the issue is not whether God cares about what you care about. The question is, are you caring about what he cares about? Who's following who? It was an on-demand view of God. It's all about what God cares about. No, 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 no. And here's the big one. You might want to buckle up for this one. Well, on-demand view of God kind of thinking says things like, well, God will never give me more than I can handle. If I had a nickel, I'd have a lot of nickels. For every time someone says, well, I know God will never give me more than I can handle. Pastor, I know. I know the Bible teaches us God will never give me more than I can handle. And they'll go through something difficult, and then they'll say to me, I know. God, and some of you moms, you're going through difficult things right now on this Mother's Day weekend, and you've probably said, well, God will never give me more than I can handle. That is simply not true. That's not what the Bible says. There's nowhere in the scriptures that says that. That, is a, that statement is a misapplication of something the apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in the New Testament specifically about temptation to sin. And what he said is when you're being tempted by Satan to do what you shouldn't do, God will never allow that to get so heavy and so bad that you don't have the ability to say, "Uh uh-uh, no, ain't going to do it. There'll always be a way of escaping. That's what it is talking about temptation to sin. It's not talking about the challenges that you go through in life, the difficulties of life, because here's the truth. If you can handle it, you don't need God. God will never give me more than I can handle. Well, if you can handle it, why would you need him? Here's the truth. God will give you more than you can handle because it's only then that you begin to trust him. And the truth is God will never give you more than he can handle in you. He will never allow you to experience more than he can handle through you. That's the truth. But see, an on-demand view of God, God will never give me more. God will never give me more. That's simply not true. You have an on-demand view of God. You think he's your BFF. See, basically, an on-demand view of God turns God into a yes, no kind of God. Yes, no. Do I get it? Do I not? You're going to make it happen or you're not going to make it happen? It boils God down to a yes or a no. And I'll just tell you right now, That view of God simply does not exist. It's way better than that. At some point right now, you're probably frustrated. Well, what's the point then? What's the point of following God, knowing God? I mean, if I don't get what I want, if God's not going to do for me what what I want him to do for me, what's the point? I mean, that's the only reason I'm here. That's the only reason I showed up at church. That's the only reason I tuned in and I'm watching because I need a job. And I figured if I give me some Jesus, he'll be, get God on my good side and I'll get that job. I need a raise. That's the only reason I'm here. I need a date. That's why I'm here. 
You know? I, 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 why else? I mean, tell me then. What's the point if I don't get what I want? I'm glad you asked. Because God wants a connection with you. God wants a relationship with us. He does not want some type of on-demand arrangement that's set into motion by your crisis and your tragedy and your bad day. No, no, you see, God has invited us into a journey. And specifically with and through his son, Jesus. That, my friends, is the point. That's the point. The point is, is that God will not be reduced to a yes-no kind of God. He wants something far better for you and me. He wants us to journey with him. And he's invited us into that journey, an ongoing dialogue, an ongoing communication, a friendship, a connection. That's the point. Now, I I get it. I totally get it. I'm with you. Sometimes I want God to be an on-demand kind of God. I just want it and I want it now. Come on, God. I've said the right thing. I've done the right thing. I feel the right thing. Okay, God. And, And you even said it in the Bible. You know, we try to take the Bible and we use it against God. Ha! You said it. Right? I gotcha. No. God says, I want you to be in a journey with me. And that is the point. Not turning me into a yes, no kind of cosmic genie. We know this is true in relationships. We do. We just do. Mother's Day weekend, moms, listen, you know this. Dads, you know. You, you get this. In parenting, it's about the journey. That's what you're committing to. When you commit to being a parent, you're committing to a journey of ups and downs and good and bad. It's a journey. I hope you didn't go into this parenting thing because you need something. <laughs> I need to feel love. <laughs> I need to feel needed. Oh, honey. Right? We know, you know why we laugh? Because we know it don't work like that. Right? We know that if you're going to be a parent with any amount of sanity, you got to keep in mind it's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. We ain't there yet. We ain't there yet. Right? That's really comes back to love, but we'll get there. Hey, listen, if you're married or used to be married or one day want to be married, you'll get this. You know this is true in marriage. You had better not go into marriage because you need something. Or you want something. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I, I, I talk to couples sometimes, and, if I, and, and before I marry them, I always make sure if I find out this is a I need him, I can't exist without her kind of thing, I don't marry him. I'm just like, you, know, you had me at hello may make a good movie, but it ain't going to work in real life. <laughs> right? You complete me. Oh, no, he don't. <laughs> no, no, and she won't. Uh-uh. We know that. That's why it's funny. You know what the vows say, the marriage vows say? The marriage vows say, I'm in this for the journey. Rich or poor, sickness and health. 
until death do us part. It's going to get bad. It's going to get rough. And there's going to be good days too. I'm in it for all of it because I want you. And I want the journey with you. You see, the relationship with God is no different. Just like you can't go into parenting with an on-demand mindset and marriage with an on-demand mindset, when you press an on-demand mindset to God, you're going to be consistently frustrated because God doesn't want an on-demand arrangement. You can't press him into a yes-no kind of reality. He welcomes you into a journey with his son, Jesus. Let me illustrate it another way. In the first century, Paul the apostle was writing to a group of Christians and sharing a very intimate, vulnerable moment with them to help teach them something. And I love, this is one of my favorite parts of the scriptures. And you know, one of the things I love about God's word is that you can read the same thing over and over and over again and and still learn new things from it year after year after year. And what I'm getting ready to highlight, we have read before. And in the last like five years, I know I've taught through this passage at least three times, and this will probably be number four. And I keep good records and, and try to look back on that kind of stuff. But I only in the last few weeks have I seen what I'm getting ready to show you. And it doesn't mean I'm special or smart or anything. I'm just saying this is a testament, not to me, but to the greatness of God's word. This is something that totally, which is, wow, never seen it quite like this before. So you can see Paul, the apostle had something going on in his life. We're not quite sure what was going on, but whatever it was, he had a personal issue that he was sick and tired of, and he wanted God to take care of it for him. We're not quite sure what it was. If you look at all of the New Testament writings by Paul and you kind of examine what he's, going, what he's talking about, there's some hints in there that Paul might have had some failing eyesight. And in the first century, if you write a lot of letters and you travel and you're doing the things that Paul is doing and your eyesight's failing, it's not like you can go to Vision Works and get that sucker fixed. You know, you, know, it, you deal with it. You deal with it. It's a first century But whatever it was, whether it's eyesight going bad or not, we're not sure. That's not the point. The point is, whatever it was, Paul saw it as something that was hindering him from doing what God wanted him to do, what he wanted to do for God. It was getting in his way. It was a hindrance. It was hindering him from doing the great job he wanted to do, even though we thought he's doing great. And everybody else, God may be thinking he's doing great. He's like, I could do even better if you got this out of my life. As a matter of fact, check this out. Three different times, Paul says, I begged the Lord to take it away. Do you know what basically is going on here? In that moment, Paul wanted God to be an on-demand God. He wanted to turn this thing into a yes-no thing, and specifically yes. Anytime we're in an on-demand kind of situation with God, when we turn God into a yes-no kind of thing, we always lean to the yes, right? Unless we're praying for somebody else and we want their no. (laughs) Yes for us. God, take it away. God, I could do so much better. God, you don't understand. Paul had very good reasons for asking God to remove this out of his life. You have very good reasons for asking God to remove some of the difficult things that you're going through right now. God, if I didn't have these bills, God, if I didn't have this issue, God, if I just had a job, God, if I could just find somebody to love, God, if I could just have a child, God, if I could just get this promotion, God, if we could just have a house, God, if you fill in the blank, God, if I could just get well, I'm sick. God, I can't do the things I want to do for you because of this situation that I'm in. God, if you would just fix my marriage, God, if you could make my kids come home, God, if, and you fill in the blank. You got perfectly good reasons for what you want. And I don't blame you. 
Everything within us sometimes want God to be an on-demand, cosmic, genie kind of God. Not disrespectfully, but it's just our limited view. Paul said three times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Watch what happens. Each time he said, each time he said, hmm, not a yes, not a no, it's better. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. That's not the answer Paul wanted. It's not the answer you and I want. Trying to turn God into a yes, no, on-demand kind of God doesn't work. Because every time Paul tried to do it, you know what God's response was? He was calling him back into the journey. My grace is what you need, Paul. My power will be displayed through this thing that you see is causing weakness in your life, this thing that you're wanting me to take away, this thing that you see is bad for you, this thing that you want gone, this thing, Paul, is how you're gonna experience my grace and my power. He welcomed him into the journey. So every time, whatever this thing was, flared up. Every time it became a problem, every time it became an issue, Paul was reminded back into the journey back into the journey. God doesn't just want this on demand. He wants this ongoing dialogue, this connection, this trust friendship. Paul concludes, so that the power of Christ can work through me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know what Paul discovered? Paul discovered <laughs> that it was better for him to have this thing in his life and experience the grace and the power and strength of God than it was for him to have his life the way he wanted it and not get to experience God's grace and power. He said, well, can't we have both? Can't I have it the way I want it and then get God's grace and strength? Well, no, if it's the way you want it, you won't lean on God's grace. If it's the way you want it, you won't look to God's power. If you can handle it, you don't need him. So God said, Paul, I want to call you back into the journey. Specifically, a journey, you ready for this one? Of trust. A journey of trust where God basically looks at Paul and he looks at me and you and he says, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Whatever this is you're going through right now, hey mom, whatever it is you're facing, dad, hey 20 something, just getting started in your career, hey high school student, listen, whatever it is you're going through right now, someone in your 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever it is you're facing, that you're wishing God would take away, that God would just, and you'd say yes, no, and preferably yes, take it away, take it away, take it away. God says, it'd be better for you to have it and experience my grace and my power than to have your life the way you think you want it. Now you might be thinking, does God ever take bad stuff away? Well, yeah, he does. Say when? I don't know. I don't, I'm not God. Does he say yes? Yeah. Does he say no? Unfortunately. 
But God's primary answer is a welcome and an invitation back in to trust him no matter what the outcome. It's a journey of trust, which means you're gonna get the good and you're gonna get the bad. And on the good days, you're thankful and you're filled with gratitude and you, you're aware of God's blessings. And on the bad days, you hold on and you ask for God's help. Either way, God looks to me and you just like he said to Paul and says, trust me, and I will take you somewhere amazing. Trust me, and I will do great things in your life. Will you trust me? It's a journey of trust. In each of these weeks so far in this series, we've talked about a primary characteristic of God, an attribute of God that helps us fight off these bad assumptions about who he is. And today is no different. What characteristic of God, what quality of God helps us fight this on-demand view of him? What drives God to call us into a journey of trust, which is so much better than just a yes, no, yes, no. Here it is, real simple. Love, God's love. Because here's the point, listen, God simply loves you too much to give you everything you want when you want it, when you need it. God loves you too much to give you your life the way you think you want it. God loves you too much just to allow you to follow your heart. God loves you too much to allow you to assemble life the way you think you know what's best because we don't. It's God's love that calls us into a journey to trust him. Because see, God sees not just our wants. He knows what we need. And God operates at a level of need, not just want. And because he loves me and you so much, he says, just trust me. Hey, parents, we know this. Come on now. I know that seems like, I don't know, I don't know. Come on, parents, we know this, right? How many times will you tell your kids things they don't want to hear? And you will do it because what? You love them. You love them too much to give them the fifth cookie. <laughs> you know, you know. Now see, in their little brain, one cookie good, two cookie great, five cookies so much good. I am loved. No, you are not loved. You are spoiled and you're gonna be, you're gonna be unhealthy. But see, as parents, we love them too much to even let it get that far, right? As parents, we love them too much to say, yes, you can have that toy. Yes, you can have that toy. Yes, you can have that toy. You can have whatever toy you think you want, you need. Anything your little grubby paws can put your hands on, you can have it. You know why we don't do that? Because we love them too much. We love them too much to just be an endless, here's more money, here's more money, here's more money. We love them enough to teach them how to earn it. We love them too much to say, yeah, there's the car, whatever car you want. We love them too much to let them stay out all night. And ain't it true when you're a kid, when you're the child, it don't feel like love. Oh, great, mom's loving me again, right. It don't feel like love and it don't look like love. It don't smell like love. Why do you hate me? You're like the worst mom ever. 
We laugh because we know it's true. And we know as moms and dads that sometimes love says no with words in front of it. <laughs> and sometimes love says, wait. You say, well, I would never say it like that. Well, you, 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 your kids haven't become teenagers yet. <laughs> sometimes love says, wait. What you're asking for is good, but it's the wrong time. See, the right time at the wrong thing as parents we know is the wrong thing. And sometimes love will have you lead your kid down a path they never wanted to go. And you know why you do that? You love them too much. You've invested too much. You won't let them turn you into a yes and no kind of parent. You're operating at a different level that is aimed at their heart, not what they want in their hands what they feel in the moment. Can you take that and understand that's how God sees you and me? He loves you too much to be turned into some type of yes and no kind of God. Hey, listen, if you're not a Christian, maybe I just affirmed all the reasons why you've avoided becoming a Christian. Well, if I don't get what I want, what's the point? Because see, God... <laughs> God loves you too much. Even though you probably don't have much time for him at this point, God loves you too much to allow you to have life the way you want it because he's allowing life to happen in certain ways to pull you to him and you may not even know it yet because he loves you that much. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're so frustrated. I don't see why there's perfectly good. I've got all these good reasons why. And I've got this Bible verse and this Bible verse. And I got this and I got that. And I've said it all right. And I've done it all right. And I'm giving and I'm serving and I'm in a group. And, I, and you've built your case. I don't see why God, blah, 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 blah. You're wanting God to be some type of cosmic genie. And on demand, you want the yes. God loves you too much. So he welcomes you back into the journey. He welcomes you in back into the journey of trust and says, will you trust me? Will you trust me? I love you too much, but because I love you so much, you can trust me. I don't know what you're going through, but you're loved. So trust him. And I want to pray for you right now that God would help you and me, trust me, <laughs> sometimes I want God to be an on-demand kind of God. To receive his love and see it, that he loves us too much, so we trust him. Father, please help us. We need you. I need you. May you help us not press an on-demand expectation and evaluation onto you. And may we receive the journey that you have called us into as one of trusting you. And I know people are facing difficult things. I know they're going through tough stuff. I, only you know the problems that are represented in this room. 
And many people have asked you to deal with it, take it away, remove it. Father, what you want from us is trust. To help us see your love and that you love us way too much to give in to our whims and our feelings. That you care about us and you know what's best. Help us to trust what you know is best. In Jesus' name, amen.